0: Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Angela's Podcast with your host, Angela Steeper. On the last episode, we talked about goal setting, um, coming up with your own fitness plan. Very helpful for those who want to get started on their fitness journey, so I recommend you give that a listen. In this episode, we're going to be talking about nutrition, specifically different nutritional requirements, the nutritional guidelines, nutritional planning, and a personal plan, and all these include components, of a healthy diet, planning out your diet, making informed choices about food, and applying nutritional principles. So nutrition is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but what exactly does it mean? So the definition I have in front of me is that nutrition is the science of food and how the body uses it in health and disease. And this definition makes sense because you always hear the word used. In a positive or negative sense, you have to have a good nutrition in order to stay healthy, or vice versa. And another important definition to know is what an essential nutrient is. So specifically, these are nutrients that the body must get from food because you're not able to manufacture it enough, or even not at all. The body requires about 45 different essential nutrients with the bigger ones, including your proteins, fats, carbohydrates, vitamins, minerals, and water, of course. So specifically, the big three that I mentioned, your proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, those are your macronutrients, and that's because your body needs those in a relatively large amounts compared to, you know, your vitamins. And then on the other hand, your micronutrients would be those that are essential but needed in minute amounts compared to your macronutrients. Another important definition to know is a calorie or actually a kilocalorie but we call it just a calorie and it's actually the measure of energy content in food but it's represented by the amount of heat that's needed to raise the temperature of one liter of water one degree celsius and that's one kilocalorie. So Uh, They're actually able to track in a lab how many calories is in something by raising the temperature around it. And coming back to our macronutrients, we're going to spend a little bit of time on each one. So the first one I mentioned are your proteins. A very important macronutrient, and it's a good one to track, especially if you do partake in weightlifting. It's one that I often track uh, regardless of the calories. It's important to know how much protein you're getting and there's actually two types of proteins you have your complete and incomplete foods that are complete in protein sources if they have all the nine essential amino acids an example of complete proteins are your meat fish poultry eggs milk cheese and soy products and then your incomplete protein sources would not have all nine so you're kind of missing that necessary macronutrient you're not getting the whole Part of the protein, so these could be coming from plant sources like your beans, peas, nuts, and legumes. So that's why it's very important if you are vegan or vegetarian to make sure that you are getting all those essential amino acids because you could be missing some. So make sure you're getting different sources um, of protein that you're able to eat that count for all those amino acids. Now for the recommended protein intake for an individual, this does vary person by person. The best person you could talk to about this if you're worried is your doctor or a nutritionist just because they know based on your goals how much protein you should be having. The recommendation is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, so you would take your body weight in pounds, first convert that to kilograms and then multiply that by 0.8. Or you can just keep that number because the recommendation is from 0.8 grams to one. So if you just convert your body weight into kilograms, that can give you your recommended protein. I would say that is on the lower side, especially for myself. Um, I try to get at least 1.5 grams just because I do weight lift a lot. And I notice that the more protein I consume, the quicker I recover from my workouts. So on the days I'm kind of lacking with that, I do have more soreness. And it's also important to know, I did mention I don't specifically track my calories, but if you are someone that tracks your calories, your protein should be between 10 to 35% of your total daily calories. So that's another thing um, that you can calculate based off of your weight, your activity level, how many calories you should be consuming. But as long as protein um, is within that 10 to 35% range, you're good. I keep mine, I think, around 35, just on the higher side. And I cut down my fats a bit just so I can have more protein, again, for that recovery aspect. I focus more on carbohydrates and proteins just because that's what works for me best. Now this protein recommendation might seem like a lot, but I'm going to list off just some examples of protein servings and how many grams of protein that is, just so you can see that it's not as much as it seems. So three ounces of lead meat, poultry, or fish, And three ounces is not a lot. That's already at 20 to 27 grams. So if you're having meat in your dinner, you have some in your lunch, have some eggs or Greek yogurt in the morning, you're set. If you're vegetarian, you like your tofu, a half cup of tofu would be 20 grams. So that is a great option. Beans, a cup of beans is 13 to 15 grams. A container of Yogurt is typ- typically 6 to 8. They do make a lot of higher protein yogurts nowadays. That Greek Yogurt, that's like 12 to 15, so those are great options. And moving on to our next macronutrient, we have our fats. Fats get a pretty bad rep, but it's important to recognize the source of our fats rather than trying to limit fats, because fats are important for energy. Not quick energy, but that slow release energy. And fats are 9 calories per gram, so they do provide more calories and energy for the body. Um, they're composed of linoleic acid and alpha-linoleic acid, and the types and sources of fats are your saturated and unsaturated fats. These are very important to know when looking at food labels, especially on processed foods. So your saturated fats, they're mostly found in animal products and tropical oils, usually solid at room temperature. Um, and then your unsaturated fats, they would be liquid at room temperature. They're primarily found in plant foods. So when you have your peanut butter and you have that oily stuff at the top that you have to mix in, that would be your unsaturated fat. And even furthermore, you have your monounsaturated and your poly unsaturated fat between these two it is better to consume unsaturated fats over saturated. so you want to limit those but it's okay if you have some saturated fats it's not the end of the world you're not gonna gain weight just by having them they're in a lot of things unfortunately uh, your next source of fat which is not good for you you're hydrogenated and these are artificially produced so it's, it's done in a lab or whatnot where hydrogens are actually added to the unsaturated fats, and that turns the liquid oils into solid fats. And the hydrogenation produces a mixture of saturated fatty acids, and standard and trans forms of unsaturated fatty acids. So not, not natural, as you can tell. And they're not good for you. So you can commonly see that on... your food label it will say hydrogenated blah 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 so try to avoid those another common name for these hydrogenated fats is trans fats and they've actually been banned pretty recently in the u.s but companies are still able to get away with it by putting a small amount in it i forget what the limit is for the fda for different companies to report it but if you see anywhere the hydrogenated then you know there's trans fats in it and these have an atypical shape that affects our chemical activity. They can't be breaking down. Um, yeah, not good for your body. Please try to avoid those and look through your packages before you're buying stuff. Another type of fat or fat source is cholesterol, and cholesterol is a waxy substance that is found in the blood and cells, and it's needed for a synthesis of cell membranes, vitamin D, and hormone. So it is important, but too much can be bad and clog your arteries. And I wanted to add, I actually, I went back and I found some examples of foods that have trans fats, just so you can be more careful when checking. Your saturated, those are the ones, um, that are solid, like your animal fats, butter, cheese, that. Those are okay, you just have to limit them. Remember, unsaturated is the best, but for trans, uh, Those can be found in some frozen pizzas, some types of popcorn, actually, deep-fried fast foods, um, stick margarines, shortenings, packaging cookies, crackers, processed snacks, sweets, all the things we love, but they do have that alteration that isn't good for our body. Some other healthy fats, the ones that are good for you, you want to focus your diet on. Um, are your polyunsaturated or omega-3s or omega-6s you commonly hear? And the omega-3s, they're great for you. They're found in fatty fishes like salmon, uh, white albacore, tuna, mackerel, anchovies, sardines. And for your daily allowance, the recommendation is 20% to 35% of your daily calories, Again, shoot for the lower side. If you do want to up your carbohydrates or proteins, you should be having 10% or less of that fat saturated. So most of that should be coming from unsaturated fats. And the next macronutrient is your carbohydrates. There's a lot of misconception about these two. Like with the keto diet, they try to completely cut these out, but... Your brain is actually only able to use carbohydrates, not fats, for activity, so it's really important that you don't cut these out just to provide that energy and keep your body healthy. Your carbs are very important for that quick energy, and they can be found in different sugars, starches, dietary fiber, they're all different forms of carbohydrates. Your first form are your simple carbohydrates, and these are single sugar molecules, your monosaccharides, and then you also have your double sugars, your disaccharides. The complex carbohydrates would be your starches, and most of these you see in your food are dietary fiber, During digestion, the body breaks down carbohydrates into simple sugar molecules to use for energy, your glucose, and your glycogen. So glucose is the simple sugar that your body uses to carry out duty, and then the glycogen is the storage of that glucose. And it's typically stored in the liver and your muscles for muscle activity. So your simple carbohydrates, the monosaccharides, those are great for you. You can get those in your fruits, in a lot of foods with glucose, and your galactose, which is milk. Those disaccharides are typically those sugarier things, but also it's in lactose, but you will see that in your table sugar or malt sugar, different candies and such. With your complex carbohydrates, your starches, that will be your grains. So wheat, rye, rice, oats, barley, and legumes, dry beans, peas, lentils, and other vegetables like your potatoes, yams, and corn. And then your fiber specifically, those are soluble. So you have your oats, barley, legumes, some fruits and vegetables, and then the insoluble would be uh, wheat bran and whole grains. An important thing to note when choosing your source of carbohydrates. Is whether it's been refined or not so you commonly will see whole grain um, and then a good example would actually be to look at bread you have your whole grain bread your regular bread when you think it's regular, but really it's been refined. And what they do is they actually take out some of that grain. So you're losing a bunch of fiber, vitamins, minerals, but it makes it taste better or look better. Whatever the company is trying to do, they will refine that a lot of the times. You'll find that in cereals too. So with the whole grains, um, that carbohydrate is entering the bloodstream more slowly, which actually reduces your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and cancer because when it's refined, your blood sugar will spike right up and you can have you'll have a quicker reaction to that glucose. So it does play an important role in your gastrointestinal health and just but overall body weight management. Also when looking at your food labels, you want to see specifically for the added sugars Obviously, you should get your sugars from natural sources, like your fruits and such, but sometimes you will indulge and you'll see added sugar and these are just empty calories that you're consuming. They're typically higher in calories and they're low in nutrients and fiber, so these empty calories add about 200 or 300 calories to a typical American daily diet, and these could be in sweetened beverages. That's mostly where it comes from. So your soda has a lot of added sugar. And that's just for taste. There's nothing really good about it. And then your recommendation would be 45 to 65% of your daily calories. And again, you would find your range just based off of how much of the other categories that you're consuming. A good exercise that I recommend, but only for those who are in the right headspace to be doing this, would be to track your macronutrients um, in relation to your calories. And this is just a good way, not for any purpose of losing weight or anything, just to get a good idea of how many fats, carbohydrates, proteins, how many grams you're consuming on a day-to-day basis, and then you can kind of go from there with upping or lowering each category. Or, if you set a good spot, keep it, just change the source. Now, moving on, we're going to step away from the macronutrients and look in those micronutrients. So, first would be our vitamins. And vitamins are carbon-containing substances needed in small amounts to help promote and regulate chemical reactions and processes in the human body. And humans actually need 13 vitamins, and four of these are fat-soluble, while nine are water-soluble. And the four fat-soluble vitamins are your A, D. and K. While the water soluble are your C and B vitamins, thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, vitamin B6, folate, vitamins B12, biotin, and pantothenic acid. And the function of vitamins is to help specifically with chemical reactions so they contribute to the production of red blood cells, maintenance of your nervous skeletal immune systems, and act as antioxidants. And your antioxidants specifically protect the breakdown of body constituents by free radicals. And they can include actions that bind oxygen and donate electrons to free radicals and repairing damage to the molecules. And that's a lot, but just know that antioxidants are important for your body to carry out various functions. So your sources of vitamins, They're typically found in fruits, vegetables, and grains. Most people take a multivitamin just to make sure they're not deficient in anything, but deficiency diseases are typically rare in the United States just based off of the food that we consume. In different countries or third world countries, there are specific vitamins that they're short of just based on the foods that are accessible to them, so... It's important to just monitor. If you notice any weird side effects going on with your body, go ahead to the doctor. They can perform a blood test and see what's going on with your levels. Interestingly enough, though, many Americans consume lower than the recommended amounts of several vitamins, but it's more uncommon for a deficiency. I mean, a big one you'll see in the movies are such a scurvy when there's not a vitamin C, but in the United States, it's not very common. But it's also important to make sure that you're not having too many vitamins because those can have side effects as well. So if you do consume a multivitamin, don't have too much of it. Now, where we do see more issues commonly is with our minerals, which are another micronutrient in the body. They're inorganic and they're needed in pretty small amounts in order for regulation, growth, maintenance of body tissues, and functions. There are 17 essential minerals that the body needs and there's two common disorders or diseases that Uh, you'll find here, especially in the United States, is anemia and osteoporosis. So anemia is the deficiency in the oxygen carrying material in the red blood cells. So when people don't have enough iron, this is where you see that lacking. Um, And then with osteoporosis, there's not enough calcium and that can be fixed with vitamin D, which actually helps calcium absorption or by upping your calcium in general. Another really important micronutrient is water. It's very vital for the body. The body is mostly composed of water, but it's often ignored, unfortunately, Um, and you'll see people try to overcompensate with that and drink a ton of water at once rather than drinking some throughout the day. So just try to get into a good habit of consuming enough water for your body and that's something you can look up just the recommendation on your height and weight how much water is needed but typically they usually say around I think eight glasses but it depends person to person there have been some studies recently I know we talked about this in one of my classes where scientists were saying that going off of just thirsty indication That thirst indication, they often say like, oh, it's too late. As soon as you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. But those scientists say that it's not as bad as we think. It's an okay thing to go off of. Um, It's obviously better to have a consistent routine with drinking water throughout the day. But if you do go based off of thirst, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to do harm to your body. A fun fact is that people can only live a few days without water, but you can live up to 50 days without food. So that just goes to show how important water is for carrying out so many different functions in the body. Water is the medium in which most chemical reactions in the body take place. So without it, we get kind of stuck with doing things. So now we're going to shift gears a bit to talk about planning your diet based off of everything I just told you. There are dietary reference intakes. There's four types um, that are standards. The first one is your adequate intake, abbreviated to AI, estimated average requirement, EAR, and then your recommended dietary allowance, your RDA. I feel like that one's the most common one I see on labels. And then your maximum daily intake would be your tolerable upper intake level or UL. The daily values that are most commonly seen on food packaging, the RDAs, like I said, there's a simplified version, your daily values. So that's based on a 2000 calorie diet. So you can't always go off of that when looking at labels, but it gives you a good idea. For example, it will say, um, this has blah, 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 vitamin C, which is 15% of your daily value. Now, that would be something that's low in vitamin C. Typically, you would see it in large amounts and fruits and such, but if you're having something packaged, you might see, oh, there's vitamin C in this, like cereal or something like that. Okay, so for a real life example, I pulled up the nutrition label for Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Very popular cereal. Definitely one of my favorites, but I see it more of a treat just because of how sugary it is so let's go through it I'm just gonna be looking at the cinnamon toast crunch itself I know a lot of the time on the labels they have it with milk added but we're just gonna look at the cereal so right at the top we see the serving size is one cup that's something important to note because you might be having multiple cups make sure you know that serving size um, when relating to the nutrition label There's 170 calories in it, which is not bad, but for your breakfast, you should be consuming more. So you wanna add in some fruit, maybe have a yogurt on the side. Uh, There's four grams of fat, zero grams of saturated. It says zero grams of trans fat, but is that true? We'll see. There's one gram of polyunsaturated fat and 2.5 grams of monounsaturated fat. All right, I already see my first red flag. Why are there 4 grams of fat if I only count 3.5? So it's possible that there could be some trans fat in there. That's why it's not reporting, but I do have to see the note at the bottom when we get there. The next category on here is cholesterol. It says 0 milligrams. Then underneath that is sodium. There's 230 milligrams, which is pretty high for a sugary cereal because it shows here 10 percent of your daily value and you wouldn't really think of this having a lot of salt in there so it's important to be aware of that when you're consuming the rest of the sodium throughout your day the next category is your carbohydrates and it actually breaks it down into types which is nice there's 33 grams which is fine um because you are having that grains in the cereal, but it says dietary fiber, two grams. It's nice that there's some fiber in this, but it is lacking a bit. There are definitely some better options with cereals because it's 7% of your daily value. Underneath that is your total sugars, 12 grams of sugars. And underneath that, it says includes added sugars, 12 grams, which is 24% of your daily value. So that's that's a bit crazy that you're already a quarter of the way through your daily sugar with one cup of this cereal. And then underneath that, the last bullet thing they have is your protein. There's two grams of protein in this. I knew there wasn't really going to be protein in this just because it's cereal. But again, add some yogurt on the side with this. It'll make a great breakfast. And then underneath that, you usually see that long column a lot of people will ignore that, but it's important to glance over to see which vitamins are in it, um, just so you can see throughout your day how much you're getting. So vitamin D, 10% of your daily value. All these I'm just going to read through daily values. Calcium, 10%. Iron, 20%. So this is a good source of iron. Um, potassium, 0%. Vitamin A, 10%. Vitamin C, 10%. Uh, riboflavin, 10%. Diamond, 20%. Sorry, it's hard to read this. Niacin, 10%. Vitamin B6, 20%. Folate, 20%. Vitamin B12, 20%. Phosphorus, 6%. Magnesium, 6%. And zinc, 20%. And then underneath all that, or sometimes it's to the side of the label, you have your ingredients. And it actually has your vitamins and minerals on separate area beneath so you can see everything that's in your cinnamon toast crunch there are some chemically things in there not as natural but it says whole grain wheat sugar rice flour canola oil that's a bit of a red flag fructose maltodextrin dextrose salt cinnamon trisodium phosphate soy lectin caramel color bht added to preserve freshness and then it shows all the vitamins and minerals were added in and then also another important part of these labels is it shows you of any allergens so it contains soy and wheat ingredients so that was just breaking it down but it's good that's where you can that's the easiest way to find your macronutrients that's what i usually use my labels for um So for this, you would say, okay, I'm at 33 grams of carbohydrates, proteins, 2 grams, fats, 4 grams, write that down. And then throughout the day, uh, you can also Google things if they aren't processed. It's honestly probably better if you have to do more Googling than looking at packaging. So Google the macronutrients for whatever you're eating, but you don't have to go too crazy with it. But again, it'll give you a good idea of where you stand. And I'm going to go through and just add... Some things that I typically eat that are either high in protein or carbohydrates just because that's what I focus my diet in. For breakfast, it is kind of hard for me to get that in. So I have it at a later time often, but it kind of works with my schedule, just doing that at that later time. So typically I'll have a couple eggs, like three, maybe four, depending on how hungry I am and I put in almost a whole bag of spinach. So I kind of saute that a bit first. I use avocado oil just because that's a little bit better for you. Um, I put about, I think it's like three cups of spinach in half a bag, but add that with some eggs, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, not too much. Maybe I'll put some hot sauce for flavor, and then I'll get my bowl of Greek yogurt. I do whatever the serving size says just so I can track the Macro is easier and that's typically how much I'll eat I think it's three-fourths cup maybe a cup but I think it's three-fourths or maybe even half but I get that I cut up some berries put them in and then I add some cinnamon on top cinnamon is just great for the body and then um, I top it off with some protein granola which is processed but it's a good source of protein so that's a great example of a breakfast. You can add in some breakfast meat if you like that. Just be careful with that because they typically are high with fat. And then for lunch, I'm kind of all over the place to be honest. Sometimes I'll do something pretty similar to breakfast for lunch or I'll make like a sandwich. Um, it also, <laughs> for me and for whoever you are listening, it's important to note that it's, you can't really copy someone else's diet exactly. I'm just giving some ideas if you're looking for things just because everyone's on very different schedules and eating's all about convenience and so if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. So I don't eat at the times I would like to eat, but for lunch, typically leftovers or if I do food prep, I'll have some of that, but I try to just have some fresh stuff. Sometimes I'll even end up just having, like, vegetables, hummus, or a big one I do. I'll, like, eat my lunch in steps while I'm either working or whatever, whenever I get the chance to heat up something. I like having a sweet potato. Um, those are great, full of vitamins and uh, minerals. Good for you. And I eat a lot of broccoli, just so I can have those greens again. Um, so I'll, like, microwaveable broccoli so it steams up. I'll have a sweet potato. I'll try to get some meat in there somehow. Maybe I'll have some bread, top it off with some margarine, just to balance it out a bit. And I also will have a pre-workout snack, so that's typically, like, one to two hours before I work out. I'll eat a bunch of carbs and ones that take a little bit longer to digest so I have the proper... Uh, energy that I need to get me through the workout. An example of this could be, you know, half a bagel, again with the bread. I usually go for fresh bread from the supermarket, whatever one I get it from. So I'll get like a loaf of artisan or whatever is baked fresh. Those are just typically better because they're made by the bakery. They're not they're not sitting in a package. They weren't like produced a month ago sitting on the shelves. So I typically like to go for that, and they do last me longer just because I'm the only one consuming them at school. I get it if it's more convenient to get the cheaper um, lows on the shelf. It doesn't matter. There's so many different options, so up to you, whatever you like. And then for dinner, I'll commonly will have some chicken. It all depends on how much time I have. I'm usually pretty busy with homework, but I will have chicken, some either tenderloins or breasts. I will uh, cook them on the stove or in the oven, have some broccoli or whatever vegetable I have, and then my carb will be rice or pasta. Sometimes I'll add in another sweet potato or whatever I have, honestly, in the fridge. And for dessert, I'll have some more Greek yogurt with chocolate chips um, or my protein chocolate milk. There's a lot of protein added in that. It's also important to note, I think I said on another podcast, but I can't have any dairy, so I do have to adjust my diet in that ways. There's so many other things you could have, but I just just kind of realized, if you're noticing, I'm not really having calcium in there. I do take calcium supplements because of that, um, and I try to find things that are enriched with calcium. So I do get dairy-free milk that's typically enriched. Um, with protein and calcium, just so I can get an appropriate amount and I don't have to rely on supplements. Also, make sure you're not eating right before you go to bed. And this is important for me just because I eat a lot at dinner. Dinner is usually my biggest meal, which isn't great, but it's because of the time of day that I work out. Um, you should be consuming majority of your calories between breakfast and lunch. But for me, it always ends up that I have a bigger dinner. Maybe I do have more calories throughout the day, but it always feels like a lot at dinner time. So I, I try to stay up for a bit just because that can cause some issues, um, indigestion and all that. So you don't want to have to worry about that and be being uncomfortable. But it's up to you. I just know it. it's better on your body, too, if you give it some time to digest and moving around and all that, not just laying down. If you're someone with a busy lifestyle like myself, I definitely recommend meal prepping. It can be a pain, but it takes about 30 minutes to an hour and you can have so many meals. I did it in the beginning of the year. I just threw a show on my laptop. I made a bunch of chicken, broccoli, rice, just trying to get all food groups, and it wasn't adequate enough to be a full dinner or whatever the meal was but it was something great for a lunch or like part of my dinner. I would just throw in something else because they were kind of small containers. But it's important if you're tracking, you're trying to diet, or you need a very specific amount of food. But for things that you can make in bulk, especially if you live alone or You're just cooking for you or one other person. If you buy a pack of chicken, you don't want to have it sitting around after you open it. So go ahead and cook it all. Put the rest into different containers. I recommend those like basic black ones. You can find at so many different places for super cheap. But do that with some rice or a different carbohydrate of your choice. And then throw in a vegetable that you like. And then once you make them, I think at one point... I, I did, like, a dozen at once. I put them in the freezer, and I, it's, like, the day or two days before I want to have it, I put in the fridge, so it slowly defrosts. We have a weird fridge here. Sorry for the tangent, but <laughs> it takes an abnormal amount of time to defrost, so it's, like, two days. And then I just microwave it, make sure you get some microwave-safe containers, and it's great. I feel like that's also great for people who are out at work and need a lunch and it's also very cost efficient just buying that bowl cooking it all at once and nothing goes to waste so definitely heavy recommendation so that just about wraps up everything I hope you enjoyed this episode talking about nutrition and tune in for next week for a new topic thanks for listening have a great day